0: Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So I want to uh, start with a question, and I'm going to come back to... Uh... our our worship announcement sheet here in just a minute, but here's the question. Are you really a follower of Jesus? Do you really believe in Jesus? Dallas Willard, who I think is one of the most important voices in discipleship in the last 50 years, he writes this, my father was a -a two-pack-a-day smoker until he was in his seventies. Then one day at the Veterans Hospital where we went for health care, He saw a man smoking with the aid of a special machine that enabled him to smoke even though his lips had been eaten away by the cancer caused by smoking. He saw the foolishness of smoking and he believed it and he never smoked another cigarette from that day forward. That is what belief does, though merely professed belief does not. Belief is when your whole being is set to act as if something is so. Can I read that again? And I want to hold that up against, do you believe in Jesus? Belief is when your whole being is set to act as if something is so. Do you believe in Jesus? Are you a disciple? For me, another name for being a disciple is a beginner. I always feel like I'm beginning to follow Jesus again every day. I've not mastered this. I've not figured this out. I'm still a student. And a person who is still learning and growing, they're always asking questions. So here's why I want to invite you to take a part of something during Holy Week. And I'd ask you to get an announcement sheet this morning because on the back is going to be an eight-day guide through Holy Week. I wanted to hand this out a week early in case you weren't here next Sunday. We're going to walk with Jesus through Holy Week and just asking questions. You know, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on Sunday, will I welcome him? When Jesus cleanses the temple on Monday, will will I allow him to cleanse me? When Jesus teaches all day Tuesday, it's a big teaching day, will I listen to him? Will I let him be the authority over my life? When Jesus is anointed with oil, will I serve Jesus? When Jesus... Sits with his disciples. Will I sit with him, or as well around the table? By the way, that Thursday night will be our service of darkness during Thursday of Holy Week. Friday, Jesus goes to the cross. Will I look at what he's doing? Saturday, Jesus is in the tomb. Will I wait for him? And then Sunday, will I celebrate the risen Lord? By the way, you can see our Easter Sunday service times right there. Being a disciple means that we're always beginning again. And we're always learning how to turn our whole being as if Jesus is Lord because He is. So what I want to do today and and next Sunday is just take some excerpts from this heavy teaching on Tuesday where Jesus teaches all day on Tuesday. Today, because of time, we are going to have kind of a family business meeting here at the end. I've chosen a shorter passage, but listen, every word I'm about to say matters. So, so listen, this is going to be out of Mark chapter 12. Again, this happens on Tuesday, Jesus' teaching of Holy Week. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Then there were some Pharisees and Herodians. Now, I think it's important to talk about who these guys are, all right? The Pharisees would be the far-right religious folks, very conservative, very legalistic. The Herodians, and there's a whole lot more to this, but they are the far-left political folks and when you have people this far apart banding together you know it's because they have a common enemy and that common enemy is Jesus in fact it says the Pharisees and the Herodians tried to entrap him I just imagine these two factions being like a giant pair of scissors and they just wanted to cut Jesus in half why did they want to entrap him because they wanted to eliminate him why did they want to eliminate him because Jesus was not advocating their agenda Jesus wasn't religious enough he wasn't political In fact he wasn't answering to their agendas Jesus's agenda was something completely different and that was to show us God and listen Jesus defines what we mean when we say God if you're looking for God don't look anywhere else don't look at other religious leaders sometimes you don't even need to look at other Christians because we don't do a great job at this at times Jesus defines what we mean when we say God. So they're trying to entrap Jesus, and they came up to him and said... Now, before I read this next part, can I just say this like it is? They're going to kiss up to Jesus right now. They're trying to make this... They're trying to slip in something tricky, so they're going to kind of start... Uh, I'm use this story. Ancient India... When people would worship their idols, they would take little bits of ghee butter and they would throw those little pats of butter at their idol as they were asking for things. It was giving a sacrifice in order to get what they wanted from their idol. When outsiders saw this for the first time, they termed it buttering someone up. It's exactly what they're doing with Jesus. They're buttering him up. But. They're really not trying to encourage him. They're trying to entrap him. Keep that in mind. Master, we know that you tell the truth. Yes, he does. By the way, individual desires have become the rule and standard for everything in our world. Jesus tells the truth. We, you tell the truth regardless of consequences. For you're not guided by personal considerations. That was true too. I'm hearing Mark 10:45 again, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. So Jesus wasn't selfish, he was serving, that's true as well. You're not guided by personal considerations because you teach the way of God with sincerity. So here's the question, is it right to pay the tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay it or refuse it? So here you have two parties, you have the far right who resist the tax. You have the far left that advocates the tax. And by the way, if Jesus answers this question, yes or no, he's just labeled himself. By the way, be very careful about trying to fit Jesus in your agenda box. And Jesus could also put himself in real danger. If he says, no, don't pay the tax, and he agrees with the Pharisees, he might be marked by Rome as a revolutionary and put to death. If he says yes and he sides with the Herodians, he's going to lose a lot of his followers because they will see him as a collaborator with Rome. There seems to be no way he can win this. And of course, I said there seems to be no way he can win this. He looked through their pretense. By the way, of all the things we're going to read this morning, that's the scariest one. Jesus looked through their pretense. Jesus looks through my pretense. Jesus can see through your pretense. You know, an elephant can smell water three miles away. I can smell bacon five miles away. (laughs) That's pretty amazing, isn't it? (laughs) That just popped into my head and out it came, right? Jesus can smell hypocrisy a million miles away. Why are we trying to hide from him? Do you really believe in Jesus? Really? Have you turned your whole being as though Jesus is Lord because He is? So, is it right to pay the tax? Well, um, why do you put me to a test? Bring out a denarius. Oh, look, I just happen to have a denarius right here. I thought you would giggle at that. Here I am. It's Seriously, it's a denarius. I'm a coin collector. Here's a silver denarius. A man would work all day for this silver coin and it would be enough to buy bread and wine and water for that night. And this was also what a tax would be. And Jesus says this, they brought him a denarius, whose head and whose title is on it? Caesar's. So then Jesus said, give to the emperor what belongs to the emperor, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. So there's a couple of ways that this passage has been interpreted over the years. One is a lot of preachers preach this when they're trying to advocate generosity. There's things we give to the government and there's things we give to the church we should tithe. That's not what this passage is about. It would come up later. At the end of this chapter, another woman goes to the temple. She doesn't have a denarius. She has two small pennies, and that's what she gives. That's the generosity part. Other times this has been interpreted, and by the way, justly so, of pointing out the difference between the church and state, that I, I should cooperate with the state as long as it doesn't conflict with kingdom values. But, if the state contradicts kingdom values, my loyalty belongs to Jesus and not to any country. That's a fine interpretation, and and rightly so. But there's something else here. Jesus holds up a coin, and he says, give to Caesar what is stamped with the image of Caesar, and give to God what is stamped with the image of God. What's he talking about there? Genesis one. And God created the male and female and in the image of God, He created them. Give to Caesar what holds the image of Caesar. Give to God what is stamped with the image of God. Do you really believe in Jesus? Have you turned your whole life toward him as Lord. Now, here's what I want you to think about. What have you wrapped your identity around? If you can kind of peel the onion on that a little bit and kind of dig down, we all have one or two things that we center our identity around. We wrap everything we do around that. For some of us, men, it's our occupation. We often, first thing I say is I'm a pastor and I've wrapped so much of my identity around that. But there's gonna be a day I'm gonna retire. Seriously, there's going to be a day I'm going to retire, okay? (laughs) Y'all are making me old. I'm an old 52-year-old, right? Some days that's going to change. Some of us wrap our identity around our family. You know, I'm a mom or a dad, and and that's fine too, but the kids are going to grow up one day, right? Hopefully. (laughs) Some people, and this is more of a social commentary than maybe what I should make, but some, of us, some people wrap their entire identity around their sexual preferences, and that becomes the core of their identity. Or, believe it or not, there are some people who wrap their identity around their sports team. Believe it or not. <laughs> what should be at the core of our identity? If we call Jesus Lord, then our entire being moves toward the fact that that is true, and everything else must come in a distant second. So, I want to tell you one more story about Clara Cowell. She decided to stop smoking. I don't know why I'm talking about cigarettes so much today. Started here, we're going to end here. Clara Cowell decided to stop smoking on her 102nd birthday, she'd been smoking since she was 18. And she kind of did the math, or somebody did the math for her. She smoked somewhere in the neighborhood of 60,000 cigarettes. And you know the reason she decided to quit smoking? She wanted to quit smoking so she would live longer. (laughs) Seriously, you (laughs) know. What I love about that little snippet, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to change. And to wrap our whole being around what is so that Jesus is Lord. Let's stand together and let's pray together. Father, thank you for your presence that is in this room today and thank you for the way you're working up and down these rows and in and out of these aisles on our hearts as we realize that we were created by you. We were stamped with your image and we are also created for you. And so I pray that as we see you today, that you would help us to see who we are. What is it that's at the core of our identity? It may be our bank account. It may be our team. We may look and find nothing there, and that's why we feel so empty. But you have invited us, and you have called us to be your disciples, that we would really believe in you, that all of our being would be wrapped as though, Jesus, you are Lord because you are Lord. So get us beyond mental assent and help us to come to complete conviction that we would live our lives for you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Struck by one more statement that I want to give you right now and then we're going to open up our follow-up room. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, I want you to hear God created you. He created you for a relationship with Him sin stands in the way of that that's why Jesus went on a rescue mission and died on the cross to restore us in a right relationship with God we need his forgiveness here's the one statement without forgiveness there is no peace you can look for it anywhere you want to but you are never gonna find it until you experience the forgiveness of God in Christ without forgiveness there is no peace so here's what we're gonna do We're going to open up our follow-up room right now. We're going to worship and sing. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and it's time for you to start, you step right out of these doors, walk around to this corridor here. I'll be on the other side in our follow-up room. We'll connect you with a follow-up team member. And let's begin that relationship together today. And let's find peace by finding the Lord. Let's respond together right now. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, and may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.